Welcome to the podcast of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jim Cole, and I'm proud to be the 96th president of Las Vegas Rotary. Las Vegas Rotary's main focus is on youth, specifically youth literacy and life skill development. If you're in town, we invite you to join us at the Lowry's Prime Rib at noon on Thursdays. You can also find more information about our meetings on lasvegasrotary.com. If you're unable to join us, we live stream our meetings on Facebook at noon Pacific time Thursdays. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, I'm really pleased to introduce Doug Geinzer. And Doug is a friend. He's a fellow Las Vegas Chamber Prospector member and a dynamic force in our community. And for many years, I, a lot of you probably remember the saying was, if you wanted to know where to go for good health care in Las Vegas, you were told to go to the airport. So <laughs> things have changed dramatically. Really, they have. And they continue to change. They're spurred on by people like Doug and the organization he leads, Las Vegas Heals. And uh, they're helping to change the face of uh, healthcare in Las Vegas and promote the changes that have taken place and continue to take place. His board of directors reads like a who's who of healthcare delivery and medical education in this community, as well as community leaders and elected officials working together in a powerful alliance. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Doug, and he can tell you a lot more about that. Okay, Doug. Sidra, thank you for having me, and thank you all for allowing me to say a few words. It's good to see a lot of familiar faces here. Um, I'm not from Las Vegas originally, born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I decided to make Las Vegas my home about 25 years ago. Uh, and with that being said, I, I always like to do this just to get a gauge of the audience that's here, um, because most of us are from other places. So with a raise of hands, how many of you have been here less than a year? Less than a year. Just, okay. So it's an established group. Okay, now we're going to go, how many of you have been here for more than five years? Raise of hands. Okay, lower your hand if it's been more than, or lo lower, raise your, lower your hand if you've been here longer than 10 years, keep your hand up. More than 20 years? 30 years. And I don't want to get it embarrassed. How many of you were born and raised in Las Vegas? Very nice. So how many of you are, are tired of the joke of where do you go when you get sick, with that punchline being McCarran Airport? And I'm, I'm here to tell you that that joke's been long dead for a while. It's been perpetuated. And Las Vegas Heels is on a mission to put an end to that. Uh, a very unfortunate situation that occurred on October 1, as we all are aware of, really showed the world what an amazing trauma delivery system Las Vegas has. I think if that incident happened in any other city in the world, that count would have been much higher. And there is good care in Las Vegas. It's challenging to find sometimes. It's a matter of getting connected and coordinated and finding that care. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about an initiative that we've been driving called medical tourism. And it's the opposite. It's how do we get people to come to Las Vegas for certain levels of care? And we started this initiative back in the recession. And it came together through two unique partnerships at the time. So Las Vegas Heals 
which is an acronym for Healthcare, Education, Advocacy, and Leadership of Southern Nevada, and then the LVCVA, which manages the brand here in Las Vegas. During the recession, we were having a challenge getting people to come here. So Rossi's room count, he had a high vacancy rate, and their ADR wasn't where it needed to be. And we had been talking about medical tourism for quite some time. Uh, those that remember when Lorraine Hunt was the um, uh, in office, she talked about what medical tourism would look like. Mayor Oscar Goodman brought it up several times. But unless you get the two parties together, healthcare and tourism, it's hard to make that happen. And the LVCVA really put their best foot forward and hired somebody to focus on nothing but health and wellness travel. And the young lady that they hired, Cheryl Smith, came to the LVCVA with about 20 years of healthcare experience. And she was there to learn tourism. And what we did is we analyzed how the LVCVA was set up, and they sell by region, and they sell consumer side and business side, and they have people that focus the sale of Las Vegas across the country, and they have offices in DC and Chicago and over in, in China. And so Cheryl started spending time with all of the sales reps that start teaching them a little bit about healthcare. And Cheryl and I met every single week for about four or five years. And then later on, we brought in the folks from UNLV. So the uh, dean of the hotel school over there, Stowe Shoemaker, got deeply involved. We brought in the folks from the LVGEA. We brought in the folks from GoEd. And about four years ago, three years ago, we put together a strategic plan. And what we did is we invited stakeholders around the valley to come in and learn what our assets were that we had here in Las Vegas. And what we learned was tremendous. Things that we didn't know existed here in Las Vegas. And I'll tell you a little bit about those in a few minutes. But we had about 147 parties that came together uh, during this time. We analyzed all of our assets. And then we gave our own description of what medical tourism is. Because there was a lot of folks around the world that were talking about medical tourism. And really what they wanted to do was attract our patients from Las Vegas to go to their country. That's not good. And it's also not healthy. And large entities like Walmart tried to roll out a medical tourism initiative until they realized that 82% of their working population didn't even have a passport. So the first thing we did is we started defining what medical tourism was, and we decided that there's two different buckets to it. There's domestic medical tourism, and then there's international. So we decided to start focusing on domestic first. And then what we did is we said, what, how do we define a medical tourist? Most of us would say it's somebody that's going out and seeking a select level of care, whether that's a surgical procedure or whatever that is, what we would deem a medical incident. We looked at it a little bit different, and we analyzed the assets that we had here in Las Vegas, and we are the meeting capital of the world. We've got a lot of meeting space. Well, guess what? All of these professional associations hold medical meetings. So we just said, let's look at those as medical travelers. And then the other area that we looked at was health and wellness travel. A lot of people don't realize that on the Las Vegas Strip, that three-mile stretch of land, we have 47 world-class spas that are capable of seeing about 1,000 patients per hour. So we created three buckets, medical tourism, medical meetings, and health and wellness travel. I'm proud to say that in the medical meeting space, since this initiative la launched, 
Las Vegas is now the medical meeting capital of the world. More medical meetings are held here in Las Vegas than anywhere else in the country. And because of that, medical practitioners come into Las Vegas and with our partnership with the LVCA, the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, we're able to partner up with these medical meetings and invite our practitioners to come attend these conferences and get either low cost or no cost training, which is huge. One of the unique things that we discovered during this strategic planning process as well is we need to have a strong medical workforce to be able to deliver care to the, the, the people that are going to travel here. And we had a lot of gaps to fill. As you know, we have the lowest ratios of practitioners to population in the country. And that discovery led us to another strategic planning group that set up what's called graduate medical education to attract uh, residencies for doctors to practice. So doctors will stay where they do the residency. So when they finish med school, they have to go and do a residency, and that goes anywhere between three and eight years, and 67% of those folks stay where they do the residency. Las Vegas, at the time, only had three hospitals that had those pro programs. And Las Vegas Hills got involved with the initiative, partnering up with the governor's office to expand GME, and we're proud to announce that today we'll have about 12 hospitals participating in that program, which led to the, the, the roadway for UNLV School of Medicine and soon the Roseman School of Medicine. So that starts building our practitioner base to be able to treat these patients that are coming in from out of market. And then you had good folks like the folks over at Southwest Medical Associates and United that funded UNLV, the hotel school, and the medical school to create healthcare and hospitality, to teach these new doctors how to work with patients that are traveling here. So as you can see, there's all of these initiatives that are going on to build this up. I want to step into the area of the clinical side. So we talked about medical travel, things such as surgical procedures. And a lot of people go, well, when I need that, I need to leave town. That's not true. Maybe for a transplant, because we don't have great transplant programs, but I will tell you that's going to change with, with academic medicine being here in town. But we've got great centers of excellence in the area of orthopedics, from full joint replacement to spine treatments, cancer treatments, and I'll come back to what that means over there, brain health with the Cleveland Clinic, fertility services. We have some of the finest fertility doctors in the country that practice right here. Areas such as, this will sound weird, and you'll see where we're leaning into the brand, addiction services. We have some of the best addiction service organizations in the country that are right here, and they treat our medical travelers every day. Why is that? Because Las Vegas does one thing well, and that is we protect anonymity. What happens here stays here. And many of these C-level folks from around the country, when they're battling addiction, the last thing they want to do is seek treatment in their own city. So what do they do? They send them to Las Vegas. Because, hey, I'm going to Vegas for 28 days. There's a couple conferences back to back. So these things are happening. I'm going to just touch on one that will shock a lot of people. Let's, I, I mentioned cancer services. And for the record, I'm a cancer survivor. I've battled it twice. I've made it through. It was sad to see. Thank you. 
It was sad to see some of the efforts that we put forth earlier with the Nevada Cancer Institute go away. Those assets are still here. That's the new Roseman School of Medicine that's out there. But looking at cancer, I traveled. I was a medical traveler. Now, I didn't call myself that. Back then, we didn't call it medical tourism. But I left town to find good care. I traveled to Pittsburgh for many years. Then I went to Chicago because I followed my doctor. Then I went to Florida. And then I helped the Cancer Institute recruit my oncologist from Florida out here. And then that thing imploded. So I had to go back to Florida. Now, I've got great care here in town because some of the practitioners from the Cancer Institute stayed behind. But here's the unique thing about cancer treatments, not mine in particular, but many times they require a clinical trial. Those clinical trials bring patients in because the only place that they're offered is the place that garners or gets that clinical trial. The, cl the, the comprehensive cancer centers at any given time has 50 to 60 clinical trials going on, sometimes up to 150. Last year, they saw over 2,000 medical travelers that came into Las Vegas, that traveled here to find good quality care. And when those folks are coming here, they're not coming here once. Depending on their treatment regimen, they may be coming here once a week, once a month, once a quarter, or on annual checkups. So that's where we're getting into this medical travel. Using fertility services, there are practices here in town that literally built their practice attracting patients to come to Las Vegas. 70% of their practice brings folks here to get pregnant. Because of these efforts, we've put together an economic development task force that leverages these medical meetings that are coming into town, and we'll set up a booth inside of every medical meeting. And as the doctors walk by, we ask a simple question. Have you ever considered expanding or relocating your practice to Las Vegas? Many want to do that, and we've been successful in attracting some great spine doctors, some great orthopedics, to come here. And what that does is that starts seeding the growth and the expansion of academic medicine. Because as UNLV expands their program, we just enrolled our second class of 60 students, and that's scaled to be able to grow up to about 180 students. What will come on next are fellowship trainings. So that is your specialty and your subspecialty. Those fellowship training programs don't happen unless you've got academic medicine in your city. And before UNLV was built, we, did, we had some. Toro's the largest medical school in Nevada. UNLV is partnering up with UMC, and they're going to start developing these fellowship programs. So that starts that growth. So where's it all going to go from here? I can tell you the biggest thing that's going to happen is sports medicine. Think about that. We've got the Knights here, and by the way, when you were singing the Star Spangled Banner, I was waiting for somebody to scream Knights during that, those of you that have been to the game. Uh, but we've got the Raiders on their way in 2020. We've got a WNBA team, which will lead to an NBA team. And there's going to be a tremendous amount of growth around the area of sports medicine. And all that does is fuel the fire for additional medical tourism because everybody wants to go get treated where the athletes get treated. Next week, there's a, a huge surgical training center that's expanding and doing a grand opening right out in Henderson. And they are being built to handle sports medicine. There's another surgical training center here in Las Vegas called the Oquendo Center. 
I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but let me tell you, it's the largest surgical training center west of the Mississippi. More surgeons are already trained in Las Vegas than anywhere else. And they're doubling their size. They're adding another 70 or 80,000 square feet. And what they do is they attract from these conferences that come in the ability to hold bioskills labs at their facilities. So to go and work on cadavers and to do wet lab training. There are three other centers like that in Las Vegas, more than any other city. That's what allows us to attract these medical conferences to come here. So as you're seeing, there's all of this medical tourism that's already going on. The other one that we're still having a hard time counting is health and wellness tourism. Think of the number of marathons, half marathons, iron men, half iron men, iron women, all of these different things that go on. When those folks come into town, several things happen. They come early, they stay late, they eat on our strip, they stay on our strip, and they get injured here. One thing, and again, the unfortunate situation of October 1 showed how great our trauma delivery system is. Think of the 42 million people a year that come here and think of the dumb things that they do. Think about it. And they present in our ERs. We treat them, we get them healthy, and we get them home. We've been doing that since the day that we were formed in Las Vegas. So this whole thought of medical tourism is taking it from a reactive approach to a proactive approach. Finding the centers of excellence that we already have, building medical education around those, growing those, and leveraging the assets that are already here. We have 155,000 hotel rooms. We have the best entertainment, the best restaurants, best everything. How do we leverage that and bring that into delivering and, and putting together one of the finest healthcare delivery systems in the United States? It's not far off. The framework's built. We put together a two-year strategic plan. And I encourage, if anybody wants to see a copy of it, please just shoot me an email. I'm happy to give you a card. Uh, it's being executed upon every single day. With that being said, I want to open it up to questions because that's usually the better part where everybody gets a little bit more value. And I'm happy to answer questions, whether it's around medical tourism, medical education, healthcare delivery systems. We've got one right here. Well, I think we've got one right here. There we go. Mind. The man with the mic. Um, I'm just curious, uh, Las Vegas uh, seems to be behind uh, cities that are nearby, like L.A. and Phoenix, especially when it comes to cancer. Proton therapy is now known as the best way to fight cancer. It kills the cancer, but it leaves the tissues around it. We don't have it. Why don't we have it? A lot of that stuff's probably regulatory more than anything. Uh, we've got a legislative task force that tackles a lot of those initiatives. I don't know the exact answer for your question, but I'm sure it's, uh, it's probably on everybody's radar screen. Hi, Chris Rodenfels here. Um, I notice that the medical profession with their doctors I see periodically that the PAs are starting to take over the office. Other than Toro, which I'm aware has a PA program, are there others in town? Or is that something that should be grown? Uh, UNR just launched one this week. Uh, so they're the next one to grow that. No, no, no. It's up in, in Reno. Uh, the reason for that, so in my opinion, the, the days of the primary care physician uh, delivering that care, it's the, they're going by. Uh, the reimbursement rate, and that's a whole other challenge in healthcare. We've got some of the worst reimbursement rates in the country, so it's easier to send uh, mid-level uh, to treat those, and it's a, it's a whole different 
whole different conversation. Um, I, but I just want to confirm some of what you've said. My husband battled urothelial cancer for five and a half years, was treated at comprehensive cancer, and was treated uh, through um, Cleveland Clinic with Dr. Scott Slavis. And uh, through those years, I kept in close contact with the National Cancer Institute. They have a whole panel of people that you can talk to. And every time I conferred with them, and every time I told them uh, what treatments my husband was going through, went through several clinical trials with comprehensive, they concurred on everything that was being done here, and they felt that he was getting the best care right here in Las Vegas. And, you know, I went through my family telling me, you need to come back home to New Jersey and go to Sloan Kettering, you need to go to MD Anderson, you need... National Cancer Institute said we were getting the best care right here. So I just want to confirm your statements. There's something that was wonderful. Uh, when the Nevada Cancer Institute left, uh, we kept three of the biggest assets. Their people, so folks like Nick Volkazang, Wolf Samlowski, stayed here. These are gentlemen that can practice anywhere in the world. They are the best of the best. They stayed here. The physical assets are the home of the new Roseman University of Medicine, and then a lot of the physical assets in terms of the equipment, and then the patients. There were patients that continued to seek care here in town. But you're absolutely right. I hear stories of patients that go to seek a second opinion at MD Anderson, and they come back and they say, they validated that the regiment that I've been put on is the exact regiment that they would put me on. I can now drive down the street rather than fly across the country. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a, an aspect of uh, opportunity for Las Vegas that I don't think you've touched on and see what your opinion. I, I've been to a couple presentations with Barbara Atkinson, and every time she stressed uh, the start of this new school was we're starting from Greenfield's operation, and we can not just do medical education the way it's been done everywhere else, but we can innovate here. We can develop technologies and, and practices for artificial intelligence and uh, a variety of other techniques that aren't used anywhere else to make uh, Las Vegas a center of excellence for medical education. Is that something that you're factoring into uh, your development plans? And yeah. Is that significant? Absolutely. For disclosure purposes, I sit on the board for UNLV School of Medicine. Uh, what they've put together over there is amazing. Barbara Atkinson is one of the most dynamic leaders I've ever met. Um, she is bringing in aspects from the school, the hospitality, for this whole medical tourism piece. She is engaging all of the different schools over there. Um, there's a little group that's been nestled in over at UNLV called the Nevada Institute of Personalized Medicine. This is the genomics testing where you spit into the cup and they could tell you what your personalized medical treatment should look like. Uh, Marty Schiller over there just was awarded a gigantic grant as either 11 or $12 million in partnership with the Cleveland Clinic. And they're going to leverage that and bring that into UNLV School of Medicine. I think we're going to see great things happen. What they have that other medical schools don't have is a clean slate. The way medical education is delivered nowadays is so different than what it was 12 years ago. Barbara recognizes that. Her entire leadership team recognizes that. 100% of their class went through um, EMT training. So they were touching patients long before they even started school. 100% of their students are fully scholarshiped going through, which allowed us to cream the crop. 
Um, so they're, they're on to some amazing things. I, I, I expect a lot of good things from UNLV. Thank you for the very informative presentation. It wasn't, wasn't long ago that we've had speakers lament the fact that the uh, medical schools are graduating doctors to be, and there were virtually no residencies in town. And you stated that 67% of the, of the doctors who go to residency in the state where they graduate stay in the community. And um, I was excited to hear you say that we now have about 12 hospitals in the state that offer residency. Uh, share some numbers, if you will, and how does that project, say, with these schools graduating 60 and soon 150 or 180 students? So there's a clear difference between residencies and medical schools. I am of the opinion the more we could scale residency programs, the better off our community will be. It allows us to be that more competitive. But it also gives a pathway for our students coming through the path to enter residencies. Two things that we're working on right now is how do we keep our locals that are going through the system, how do we get them what we call matched here in Las Vegas before they match in a different city? Uh, I gave a speech to the graduating class of Toro, and they had 130 students graduate from there. And Shelly Berkeley just got them uh, accredited to graduate 181. She wants to be one ahead of Barbara. That's, that's how competitive Shelly is. <laughs> and so with theirs... Uh, 30 of their students are going to stay here. The bad part that I didn't like, there's two locals that are leaving the city for residency elsewhere because they didn't match here in Las Vegas. So we were working on how do we give a preferential match to a local because that's where you, the grow your own pipe really comes together. In terms of residency programs, I'll use, I think I'll use Mountain View as a great example. Uh, here's a hospital that was what we called a virgin hospital. They didn't have any residency programs. Uh, they've built the architecture out there to grow their program to 375 residents, which is big. Uh, to, get put in that, to put that into perspective, I think down at Valley Hospital, there's 120. Uh, UMC is the largest program. Residencies are a little bit touchy because there's, they go through and there's a cap that's put on. So 50% of the funds are given by the CMS, so Medicare. And so you've got to put money on the table to get money out of the feds. And as you know, in Nevada, we don't like to put money on the table a lot. And so Governor Sandoval was kind enough to fund ten, $10 million in the 15th session, another $10 million in the 17th session, with those, those dollars earmarked really for startup programs. So to allow these hospitals to create a program, because it costs about $2 million to create a program. And so as we do that, when a, a residency program takes about three years to eight years, depending on specialty, CMS is now merging in the DO program and the MD program. So they're going to be one. And they're extending the, the look-back period of what they call the cap. So in the, in the past, they would say, okay, you've started a new program, you ramp it up, in three years, the highest number that it gets to, that's your cap, we'll never fund you more than that. And now they've extended that to five years. So part of our strategic plan there is how do we get great at a quick ramp up? Because if we could cap that to the highest level, we're able to get more money out of the feds and we're able to expand the cap in the valley. We've made some mistakes before in the past and I, I don't want to call them out, but uh, one of our hospitals, they needed their pediatric services 
to include in the rounding of these residents, and they artificially capped. So it was a small program, and this hospital, which is one of the largest in the valley, has an artificially low cap because they hit that. So we've learned a lot from that, and so as we're working with these systems to develop new programs, it's how do we run at that, and how do we ramp that up quickly in five years? And then you've got new, like the Valley Health System never had a program. They had the one down at Valley. They're now looking at a system-wide, a collaborative program that will take all six of their hospitals and really ramp it up quicker, and they've brought on Dr. Andy Eisen, who many of you know as a past assemblyman, to do just that. And so the, the higher we get the residencies, the more we're able to attract from around the country, but what we want to do is give preferential matching, preferential placement to our locals because that's what matters. And for the record, 100% of the 60 students at UNLV have a tie to Las Vegas, a tie to Nevada. That was part of the, the criteria during the interviewing process that they have something that's going to keep them here when they graduate from med school. I think I've extended my time. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Uh, before you sit down, uh, we, we have an award that we'd like to give to you, uh, Doug. It's the Share What You Can Award. And uh, we present uh, in your name a meal, a hot meal to a needy veteran. And so thank you so much for speaking to us. We're, oh. Thank you very much. So as we leave here today, uh, I ask that we Go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all persons. Love and serve each other, rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Go be people of action. Go be the inspiration. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of our latest meeting. If you'd like to know more about our projects or are interested in membership in the club, please visit us at lasvegasrotary.com. Now go forth and be the inspiration.